Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures where we discuss everything fishing, boating and the great outdoors. And usually it's Patrick Dangerfield and myself, Aaron Hadgood, joining you uh, this morning. But... Paddy's uh, currently gallivanting around uh, America right now. So I've, I've dragged my very good friend, Samuel Goodwin, who is the ex-MasterChef contestant, and he's very, very good at his cooking still, aren't you, Samuel? So thank you very much for joining me this morning, mate. I'd say I'm a better fisherman than Pat, too. A bit of an upgrade for you. You're well and truly a better fisherman than Pat. Let's thank keep you. it. What are your thoughts on uh, our mate Patrick uh, going to actually America to go to Harvard to study... Something in management. No, no, it was actually it was actually not management. It was uh, negotiation. What are your thoughts on it? Harvard. Oh, must be very nice living that lifestyle. Jet set over to America in the off-season. Learn from a f- few of the big names over there. It's uh, a bit of a payday, I think, for, for Patrick after winning the flag. And he's I think he's broke now because he spent all his money to do his three-week course. But looks like he's having a good time over there. He's uh, going to a few basketball games, a few NFL games. So Pat will hopefully be back next week. I'm pretty sure he's back at the start of the week. So he shouldn't have any drum of getting the show done for you guys to listen. And Sammy, like I said before, thank you again. I put you on the spot to give me a hand today. But the good thing is with Sammy is, yes, I talk about how to catch fish right around the country covering all different species, how to catch it. We talk a little bit about eating it, but the the, the biggest question people struggle with the most, or ask me the most, and the struggle that people have the most is how to prepare fish, how to cook fish, and it starts right from, I guess, on the boat right through to actually getting it home in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff, which we're going to talk about today. But first, Sammy, you uh, did MasterChef a few years ago now, then you've been a regular on the show for a long time and COVID sort of hit. We haven't had you on too much lately, but what uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, I feel like I haven't been on for a while. Um, XO Project, my little business with my partner Sarah, has really ramped up. We're um, doing some private catering and little bespoke private dinners every weekend, which is really, really nice. And we're kind of um, shifting a little bit in future months. In the new year, we're going to um, get our new side business off the ground, which is XO Bowls. And we're going to do a few Asian-inspired lunch bowls, keep it light, keep it fresh. Hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to get some raw fish and everything into the bowls too to really ramp it up. Raw fish into the Raw bowls. Raw fish, love yeah. it. We're going to talk a bit about that uh, a bit later on because I'm pretty sure there's a question in the social club. Now, what I've done with the social club is we get lots of questions regarding f- on the food aspect of it. We do answer a lot, but I thought I'd go back through the archives and pull a few through, uh, pull a few out for you, Sammy, because there'd be no better person to ask. Uh, so the new business is going good. That's good. You don't fish with me anymore. I haven't seen you on the boat for, I reckon, 12 months minimum. No, we've been too busy in the kitchen, but we're looking to probably get a few new staff in the new year, so... 
hopefully we'll be able to free up a bit of time and get back out in the water. Very good. Now, uh, a bit of news in the fishing industry. It was all over the news, actually, this one. Did you see this? Uh, the shark, shark attacked... Oh, yeah, I think well, it made go every it. channel. Every headline. Shark attacked a kayaker in South Australia who was fishing for kingfish. Now, did you see this? Yeah, poor bloke. I'm never taking a kayak out <laughs> fishing for kingfish around here. You and I actually got destroyed by a white on a tuna oh, yeah. a Big few tuna. years back. Uh, we were fishing out of... Uh, Pat was out, actually. Pat and his old man were right next to us. He and nearly we, got it on film, too. He just missed it. And you fought this fish, I reckon it was probably for three hours? Three and, three and a half. half hours. Yep. And uh, we we were on this tuna. It would have been about the 80 kilo mark estimate, give or take. On about a two kilo rod. You are using <laughs> a noodle. <laughs> and... Uh, we were chasing the school tuna outside where we live down here in Ocean Grove and we had actually ended up at Aries down Pat's Way and, uh, yeah, the shark took your fish. But but we were in a big boat, let alone a kayak that this gentleman was in and he was fishing for kingfish in South Australia, like I said before. And on his sonar, now sonar's so good these days, he actually marked up this shark a little bit prior to actually having the incident that we're about to talk about and he uh, the shark was on the sound and then he's hooked this really big kingfish and the shark's taken the kingfish and he's obviously fired the shark up a fair bit. The bloke sit, sitting there in his kayak fishing uh, and this shark just would not leave him alone. It just Gave kept, him a little nudge, didn't it? Just kept going him, just kept going, going, going. So if you haven't seen it, jump on your social media platforms and just type in shark attack kayak. It'll be the first one to come up. And that's why you don't fish in a kayak. It's been a big <laughs> week for um, fishing on the main mainstream news. We had that. Yep. And then what about the other one where the uh, big Mako shark jumped onto the front of the Stabycraft in yeah. New Zealand? <laughs> I I seen that. That was incredible. That was, I think that might have been jigging for kingfish yeah. once again. And the Mako launched it. Well, Makos are renowned for their jumping. And sure enough, these sharks ended up landing on the front of their big Stabycraft. And it was a big Mako. What do you do? How would you go? Oh, mate, you'd be handling it. <laughs> I'd be right up the back. Probably in the ladder. I'd be safer in the water than on the boat. I'd let you handle that. It was a perfect size eating one too. I reckon I'd be sneaking up the front with the tail rope. Yeah, don't share the video. Yeah, don't share the video. Claim it. Yeah, claim, well, claim, <laughs> Tell it home. Get the video out earlier, but hide the video for when we get the tail rope yeah. on the tail because mate, Mako would have to be one of my favourite eating sharks. They're beautiful to eat. Great specimen though. If you've got plenty of flake in the freezer, obviously if you do catch one, you don't need it. Let it go because they are on that borderline of that yeah. endangered sort of species, the shortfin Mako. They're not. They're, they're good at the moment. That's why we have the rules and regs from Fisheries Vic. I always target one early in the season and I keep it for the whole season. And if we run out, I'll go get another one. But it's not, I love seeing them in the water. There's nothing better than the colours of them coming up. And they've got this black eye. And I don't reckon there's a shark that has a more intimidating eye. Like a white's scary, but a Mako has this jet black eye that always looks like it's looking at you. So if you see a Mako, you will be intimidated. Uh, also, I wanted to ask you today, Sam, we, we, I spoke at the start and I wanted to and mentioned about. Looking after your fish and capture it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do. Uh, all species are different. And then I want you to talk about from basically where I would hand the fish to someone like yourself as such. Yep. Now, I'm fortunate enough to be friends with Sammy and I use and abuse him a bit in the kitchen and ask him a lot of questions and on the run and he helps me out a lot. So uh, you guys listening, make sure you do take a few notes here if you can. Obviously, our podcast comes out all the time on the Real Adventures app and on iTunes. So make sure you, you check it out if you do want to go back and listen to what Sam has to say. Now, just to give you an example, Chef, we've got uh, kingfish, we've got tuna, we've got snapper, squid, you name yep. it. We've got a great... Great variety of species that I guess is on our doorstep down here. But they're right around the country too. Now, 
starting from, I guess, a tuna, for example, my I get a tuna in the boat, I brain spike it, I gut it, I get it into the ice as quick as I can. Cool it right down, get it cold. Snapper, I usually just get them in the ice as quick as I can. They don't heat up like tuna, but different species, we have different methods. Now, what I do is I get home and quite often I'll have all the fillets cleaned all ready to go. Now, you've got a few different methods rather than just actually... We'll start without the bagging aspect of it, yep. like without bagging fish and going along that aspect, so I know where you're going to go. But let's go to when I get home, and when I go to clean the fish, you actually sometimes stop me from cleaning the fish and don't want me to clean the fish. You want to do it yourself. Take us through the reasons and why. Nah, you've gotten pretty good of it at it the past couple of years, but like the big one that everyone talks about, no fresh water on your fish. It should yep. be no no water whatsoever. If you've got a little bit of blood or anything on there, Wipe it down with paper towel. Yep. Like keep the keep it dry because the flesh, as soon as you've filleted that fish, it's like a sponge. Like it's going to absorb everything, and that's when it starts to. If it gets too wet, go to mush and start to break down, and you'll get the really like the bad fishy smell that we all. No one likes it. I mean, everyone complains. Yeah, they talk about fresh fish, not fresh fish. It's really more to do with how it's handled and not how old it is. If you handle your tuna or your kingfish well. I'm more than happy to eat it 10 or 12 days later. Like, so that's what I want you to take yeah. me through, a bit of that sort of stuff and, as well. And that is keeping it dry. Like, I received kingfish to my kitchen yesterday. Yep. Straight away, I wipe it dry with paper towel because... Moisture is your worst enemy? Moisture is the worst yep. enemy. And it, it that is what the bacteria thrive in, that moist environment. Wipe it dry and then I put it onto like a cake cooling rack on a tray into the fridge and... Happy to cover it with a lid because it's like I don't like wrapping the fish directly in plastic or glad wrap because then it is bathing in its own juice. But you can put it in a container or put it in a tray with a lid like I do at the kitchen. And just having that air around it and allowing any moisture can drop through that cake cooling rack that I'm talking about and the fish isn't going to bathe in it and the bacteria is not going to... Like and that's fried. the smell, what you said before. That's what the smell comes That's the comes smell, from. Yeah. yeah. And it's particularly bad. Like whiting, if you dump a heap of whiting fillets in a bag, you're going to have to eat them within two days, yep. three days. Otherwise, you're going to get that stench. Um, whereas if you handle your fish well, keep them dry, give them a bit of airflow, they're, they're good depending on what species you have for twice as long as what they would be otherwise. So you, you said 12 days before. Another thing that you do regularly is you don't... You, you don't want me to, I guess, scale the fish as such. You, yeah. You, want to, you, keep, you actually cut the skin off with a knife or... Yeah, I've become less particular about that. It's a Japanese technique that quite a few of the, the high-end fish restaurants will do and it's yep. um, uh, reducing the damage to the actual flesh, preventing a little bit of what they call bruising. I don't notice it too much unless they're really particular. Um, and also, again, reducing the amount of moisture that can yep. stay on the skin. Like, if you do scale a fish, you'll notice the um, the little skin pocket foldy things, but the, the scales scale actually sit in. Yep. When you cut them off with a knife, you lose that, so you're losing a bit of that moisture that is on the skin. But I find if you, you can scale it traditionally and keep it dry with paper towel, you're fine. All right, so let's run us... You're better than what... You would be if you did nothing. Now, I guarantee you 90% of people that are listening right now, what they do is they get home, they crack open a beer, and they stand yeah. out the front, they clean their fish. Now, they've cleaned their beautiful 40 King George Whiting. They've got yep. a beautiful 80 fillets there. They've had a great day out with their mate, going to share their fish. Now, the first thing they do is bag their fish up. Yeah. They bag it naturally. Now, 
you're you're saying if they're going to what about if they're going to freeze it straight away? Are they best cryovacking it? Yeah, or what definitely. They... If if you want to keep fish in the freezer, you've got to cryovac it. Yeah, uh, pat we, dry still. Yeah, give it pat it dry. What you're preventing, like if you leave moisture in there, that moisture is going to turn to ice, and you're going to end up with like that frostbite look. We all know it. Like you, if you put a put a fish in a normal Ziploc bag where there's a bit of oxygen left. You get the frost build up and it will burn the flesh almost. You'll see it go really white in the freezer. Um, those really cheap freezer bags that you always use are better than like a Ziploc because they cling to the flesh. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah those yeah. really soft ones. Um, Which they're only, I think, I think for a large bag or a medium bag, I'm pretty sure they're only like 70 oh, cents or 80 yeah, cents. Yeah, like a dollar. For 50 bags or whatever. Yeah. 80 bags maybe. But if, if you're serious about sharing your fish around or freezing it, cry back it. Yeah. Um, invest fifty dollars in a in a cryovac machine. Yep. Uh, and go from there. And the bags with the cry like I go I cryovac all my fish. I've got it in the fridge right next to us as we speak here, Sammy. And I cryovac all my fish. You do go through a hell of a lot of bags. How many do you recommend? Do you recommend like putting just what you're going to eat in the bags, or can you get it out to frost it for the next couple of nights, or is too many fish in a bag too much? Will it? Oh, I mean, what if if you've got a meal plan and you want to eat fish for a couple of nights a yeah. week, do yeah. that. Um, but, but leaving yeah. that in the fridge for overnight, they won't hurt the fish as such. Nah, I'd, I'd leave it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's pretty intimidating though, people with fish, because people get scared. Like if my mm. missus goes, "How long's that been in the fridge for?" But then people get intimidated intimidated yeah. by it, and it does start to smell if you do leave it in bags. And I've noticed the difference using your techniques. Yeah, that it's definitely helped out massively. Make sure you don't go anywhere. We've got Sammy Goodwin chopping me out today. Uh, he obviously is in the uh, the old cooking game, so he's going to be talking about how to prepare your fish, look after your fish right throughout today's today's show. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Real Adventures. We'll see you after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is now time for the whip around, and of course, Sammy Goodwin is sitting next to me because Pat's gallivanting because he went to Harvard. So he's over there. <laughs> he's over there, Samuel. He's back next week. So make sure you do tune in next week if you want to hear what how Pat's trip went. Now, Sammy, uh, we're going to get into the whip around, but yeah. first, well, I need to hear what you've been doing. We had cracking weather during the week, we and, and I know you got out on the water a couple of times. So tell me how you went. A couple of times, I tell you what. I'm on the fluid restriction, Sammy, of one and a half litres and a lot of fluid tablets. And let's just say the first uh, sign of sun on me for the week, I had I copped it. I was completely drained and I couldn't drink. Do you know when you're dehydrated, it just sucks. Like it's, and I, the, I'm not complaining about the beautiful weather. That's all I wanted was beautiful weather. But, oh, man, it was it was great to see the sun, but I was buggered. First, yeah. first heat wave, well, not heat wave, but first wave of nice weather and it was it got to me a bit. Uh, snapper. They are the biggest talking point in Victoria right now. So for me, I got a few snapper offshore. I got a few in the bay. They went really, really well uh, using different techniques right through whether it's offshore or in the bay. But more importantly, it's about where I'm targeting them. So I'm targeting them sort of around that sort of Frankston side of the bay. So Carrum, that's where they're fishing at the best. So right up to Altona, Craig got some beautiful fish out of Black Rock and that water's starting to heat up now. So it's just starting to heat up, which is great to see. Also got some beautiful whiting. 
Now, the whiting went really, really well. Uh, they were really big fish too. It's a really big fish, fish big, in the fast tide. Big moon though. It Which, was. Like, we had that blood moon during the week. I think it all over social media, like yeah. a big full lunar eclipse type yeah. thing. Everyone carried on about that. And I swear we had one like four weeks ago. <laughs> does it happen? Oh, it feels like we have it once a year. <laughs> it that does, doesn't it? be here for another 20. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. Yeah, I hate that moon. It sucks. It makes tides, it makes things very hard. A lot of water around, slow tides. But just by using the techniques that I've spoken about on here, fishing that faster water. So I just pushed out. I didn't actually go deeper as such. I just went more into a channel where the where the water flows harder. So I was only in like six and a half, seven meters, but I was in an area where there's a bank and the water pushes through very hard. So making sure I'm fishing where the tide's flowing and there was plenty of fish. There was The boats finally worked it out and listened to what I had to say and they, <laughs> all, they all started to get some fish. And the squid went really well too. They We got plenty of squid during the week. Is that a tide thing too? Moon. You, moon. Yeah, because right. I'm fishing those eggs. So the eggs are being laid right through... Uh, Western Port, Port Phillip right now and they're just dropping their eggs and we talk about those slow tides which suck for everything else yeah. but the squid love it. Yep. So they drop their eggs on that slow water they drop their eggs and then we can go sit on top of them and catch as many squid as you want and some big ones too so really good fishing. Let's get around the rest of the country. New South Wales, the Mulloway uh, they're going really well out of, we'll call it Ginevan, Jack Ginevan's Bridge. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. Givani Bridge on whole mullet during the week. Multiple fish to nearly a metre long some huge schools of salmon on the southeast coast of New South Wales, from Birmingham to Eden, on the beaches, right through there. Have you seen? I don't know if you've seen the footage of it. It's incredible. I'm talking thousands, and I'll show you the footage in the break, Sammy. But thousands and thousands of salmon. Like I don't, without seeing it, you wouldn't believe it. Right along the coast, and they're on top of each other. Like they don't even fit in the water <laughs> column. Like they're only shallow. Like you can get them on the beaches. And they're just sitting on top of each other and they go for kilometres. So there's that many salmon right through that area. There's still some great-sized kings right through the Sydney Harbour right now with over a metre, Sammy. So big kings. We know you love eating your kingfish. So they're really, really good kings getting around. Heading to WA, Hammersley Inlet Beach is holding huge schools of salmon right now. Looking for the gutters is the key, keeping it pretty simple where those waves aren't breaking. Find that gutter there, get your metals in there, and they are working really, really well as well. Uh, Fremantle, this is the place to be. I'm calling I'm calling Perth. Since South Australia got locked down, you're allowed to fish a snapper there anymore, Sammy. I'm, I reckon Perth... Gone is, off, people have it's moved the over capi- there. It's, I reckon everyone's moved there. It's the capital of snapper fishing in Australia. We have it great here, but I've been talking about fishing out of Fremantle and the snapper for months now, and they're still going just as good. Fish, eight kilos, some bigger, some smaller... Probably and why all the footy players wanted to get traded there. <laughs> Half of Victoria's yeah. gone over there. Uh, plenty of kingfish mixed in with yep. them too, which is and big kings. Love it. 12, 15 kilos are really big kings. Heading to South Australia, some big, big sharks. Bronzy is coming off Hentley Jetty right now. I've actually seen them through many jetties. So land-based fish shows targeting the sharks. Big baits on traces working really, really good. Port Victoria is on fire on the whiting scene with bag limit captures. Uh, coming in most days, big fish too, right up to 60 centimetres, Sammy. Yes, yeah, 60, you're not talking 50. They're different breed over there. Fishing off Semaphore Jetty, the calamari and blue swimmer crabs are in great numbers. Some of the best eating right there. What are your thoughts on eating blue swimmers? A little bit fiddly, like the flesh Pain is the really nice, yep. but um, they're a lot smaller than the, the mud crabs, yep. so you have to eat about four times as much yep. and pick through all that grit and gills and stuff too. Tasty though. Yeah. They are tasty. Delicious. Get them All from, crabs are. 
it's worth paying the money to restaurant when you don't if they actually have it already done. Yeah, for if you. they've done it for you. Yeah. Yep. Tazzy Tamar still going great this time. King George riding once again right up to sixty centimeters. Beauty Point land base is fishing very well for salmon. Small salmon, nothing big, but great fun to do with the kids. Get them out there, go get them because there's plenty of them. The Craigiebird Dam producing some great rainbows to 50 centimetres with power bait being the most efficient. Patrick won't let me report that because it's power bait. He'll stick to throwing something mm. silly at him, Sammy. But oh, I saw Gary Rowan flicking a fly rod on the street the other day too. I was disgusted. Oh. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that? Disgusted as I well? I think they're getting ready for retirement, to be honest. In their Ray-Bans with yep. their bloody Range Rovers, whatever you Ray want to call hair. it. Yeah. Yeah, well, Gary's is bright red. I don't know if it'll go grey, but we'll let him go. <laughs> uh, it's working, working for most anglers, that power bait. Uh, heading up north, Queensland, the dartfish are on fire just north of the Tweed with worms working really well. So they make sure you get some sandworms. You'll get plenty of dartfish. Harvey Bay, the place to be if you do want these sweet lips. Fish up to five kilo. They grow only up to sort of six, seven kilo. They're really big sweet lips right now. And sticking to their name, they're one of the tastiest fish going around. They're nice and sweet, Pat. So, uh, Pat, I just called you Pat. Sorry, Sam. That's an insult. Why so, I haven't tried. <laughs> so they're going really good too. That was the Whip Around where we cover the fishing reports right around the, the country and, of course, what I've been up to. And it is now time for the social club. Sammy, social club. Daniel is asked the first question. I've pulled some out of the archives because we've had a couple of these questions, but answers from myself. Gonna obviously get yeah. you, you know what you're doing. You're a little bit more than what I do. Love the show, boys. Cooking calamari. Do you guys have any tricks to get it soft, Daniel? I reckon this would be one of the most common questions that we get. And like we did a few of the Vic Fisheries um, yep. days together where we, we did, did demos, and you get this every time out of the crowd. Hold th- um, more than anything. You you know the tricks probably well as well as I do because we always put them in the freezer. I like, couldn't agree more. There's all the little hacks about. Pineapple juice and kiwi milk. fruit, milk. And, I mean, they all work. You've got to be really careful with the pineapple and kiwi that you don't leave them in there too long. They all work, but you might as well just stuff, uh, chuck it in the freezer for a little bit. And even if it's only for, like, two hours, if you can crash the temp down below freezing and then defrost it back to normal, it breaks down that protein a little bit and what? it will naturally go softer. So we even do it. We get home off the boat. We'll chuck it in the freezer for a couple of hours before dinner. I'll literally give you an example. During the week, I had Kari's parents over for dinner, my partners, and I caught cal- they wanted calamari salad for dinner. I literally caught the calamari. I ran it through the scale bag on the boat, cleans all the calamari for you. All I had to do was pull the flaps off. And I literally, first thing I did was put it in my deep freeze out the back. And uh, we, I reckon it took not even two hours and it was nearly frozen through. Yeah, I mean, if you don't stack them all on top of each other yep. in a big round bag where it's going to take ages to freeze, yep. if you lay them flat on a nine... baking tray, you'd be laughing within an hour. Well, that I reckon that what you said is the best tip. Now, what about cooking it? What, um, what's the quick tip to cooking it? Because you can, what, do you cook it for four hours or are you cooking it for 20 minutes, 10 seconds? No, I mean, if you want to pickle it or something, a lot of them tell you to boil for an hour and it's like the reverse of yep. common knowledge, but it works really well if you want to pickle it. But as quick as you can, on the barbecue, blaring hot, yeah. um, and you've flattened out the tube, so it's one single layer and not a, not a ring, um, you can go 30 seconds either side and dress it in a bit of olive oil and salt and pepper, lemon juice, deli- really good. I was actually going to cook it. I've got it down pat in the pan inside at the moment, like down pat, really good, nice and soft. Freeze it first, nice and soft. Kari goes, can you cook it on the barbecue? I, did, oh, I got too scared. Yeah, um, uh, 
I wouldn't be scared. I mean, same logic as when you're cooking it in the pan. Cooking it in the pan, you're going to be doing that 30 seconds either side or you're tossing it around for a But I feel like I know the heat. I was a bit intimidated again. Seafood. Seafood. Yeah. One of those things. Uh, Next question is from Chris. Red, how do you set up for your snapper in Port Phillip Bay? It's a really good question. Now, we... It's did a whole snapper show, Pat, uh, Pat and I, only a few weeks back. So if you do want to listen to the whole show where we do cover it, make sure you do head to our podcast and you can download it, the Real Adventures app and you'll be able to find all that information. Six rods. I have mainly six rods. I have two with squid on it, two with silver whiting, two with pilchards. That's my starting point. Rigs? Snelled rigs and a single hook rig. Uh, I'm running straight hooks at the moment. Uh, I've just gone to straights. I've always been a circle man. I've just changed to straights. Just I don't know. I just dropped a couple of fish and nothing to do. I just might have been me. <laughs> but we, I've just changed to straights. But what I'm trying to do is work out which bait's the best. And then I'll, what I'll do is I might sneak a salmon fill out on one and put a trevally chunk out on one, and I'll yep. slowly adapt to the day and see what happens. Then I'll change. If to you're what, not getting anything, if I'm not, yeah, if I'm not yeah. getting anything on those three, I'll try a few different things. But say for example, the squid rod takes off. I, Say I get four fish. First, say I get land five fish. Sorry, and the first four of them are on squid. Do you think I'm going to put another? Uh, do you reckon I'm going to put another squid ring out? Bloody oath, I am. Yeah. I'm going to put one yeah. out, so I'm going to favour that aspect of it to catch more fish. Yeah. That's how I'm going to do it. The next question is from Dario. Now this is a big one. Best way to prepare tuna to eat raw or as known as sashimi. Yeah, I mean it depends how hardcore you want to go. If you want to eat it fresh the day you catch it, then Trim it up and it's good to go. Now, the bits you want to look to trim off, depending on your taste, you're probably going to trim off the bloodline. Um, and then right up the top along the spine of the fish, you'll find a lot of the white sinewy type things where, like, I'm guessing their muscle fibers kind of yep. run along there. And then as they get towards the tail of the fish, they all congregate. It's nearly like a, a power line or a electricity cable like all the fibers congregate down to the tail or like you underneath your bait board where all your fishing line goes yeah. after the day's fishing yeah <laughs> it looks a bit like that right down near the tail yeah. so if you if you do want to eat sashimi the the cleanest tasting bit's going to be the top loin right up, right up near the shoulder of the fish the collar um, if you want something nice and fatty you're going to take flesh off the belly um the flesh off the belly also really good if you want to barbecue so, it too. A lot of people throw that out. Yeah, I was the first. I used to throw it out until you told me. Well, it all depends. Yeah, it all depends on your taste. Uh, I mean, uh, the the belly, the fatty pit, which they call toro in uh, Japan, is the most prized, most valuable part of the fish to them. But they do love that really oily, fishy yeah. taste. Whereas I find a lot of our friends and broader community won't like that really like it's like tuna oil yeah it's yeah, fishy yeah, it's fishy yeah um i mean you can just dress it in a bit more soy and wasabi and you won't taste it as much but um, it defeats the purpose yeah you know? if i i don't mind the belly um because i do like that it's almost like wagyu steak like it's fatty it's marbled it melts in your mouth um, but if you want something cleaner tasting top loin you take the center of it so you're missing the the uh, bloodline yep. and that top sinewy bit that I'm talking about. Now, with the with the sashimi, do you advise eating it? I know you mentioned it at the start, but do you advise eating it on the day, or should you let it cool in the fridge for maybe two days? Do you, what do you? What do you yeah, well, I mean, we've experienced it. Like you, you always say, the flesh will settle after a day or two. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't know if what I'm talking about is the same thing, but it almost starts to firm up a little bit and you get, rather than like a jelly, really soft-like texture, you get a, a nice kind of, I don't know whether it's a moisture loss, like it firms up a bit and you get a nice bite without being chewy. Yeah. After yep. a, a day, three days, five days. How Say, say for example, you and I go out this morning after yeah. this and we go land a kingfish and we come in, we want it for sashimi, but we want to eat sashimi... Yeah. For the next few days. How long will a fish last for in the fridge to eat sashimi? Or before Like we were yes. talking about before, it's all, all how you handle it. And like I'm more than happy to sit down that night with you boys and eat a plate of sashimi and you might take the half of a top loin off one side of the fish and you eat that. And then if you handle the rest of the fish well, I mean kingfish ten, eleven, twelve days can be fine if in you the keep, fridge. Yeah, if you keep it dry, put it up on that K crack that I'm talking about and keep the airflow around it. Um, cover it, wipe it dry. But you've got to actually do it though, like each day. Uh, mainly uh, the first day or two. Yeah, and then I find it nearly handles itself. Like yep. once you get that initial bit of moisture away that it, it wants to excrete, then um, you're pretty good after that. Just how keep an eye on it. How do you know if it's gone to crap? Trust is your it, nose. Like, is it basically the smell? Yeah, trust your nose, the look. Um, you don't want to leave it uncovered. Otherwise, it's going to turn to jerky in your yeah, fridge. Like gotcha, yeah. it's the the airflow and the fan in your fridge that's um, going to keep wicking away moisture off that fish. Trust your nose. Like you start to smell that little bit of fishiness. We all know it, but it's safe to eat the fish initially. As soon as you start going, Ugh, Ugh, it's no good. It's no good. Yeah. You know, you're not going to eat it. That was the social club where we answer your questions that you sent in. Sammy nailed a few on the head. Sam and I will be back after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. We are at the Melbourne International Boat Show, 60th year. There's been a couple of years where we haven't had it, obviously, Redmond. And Pete from Easy Toe joins us. Pete, tell us how you sell something that is so unsexy to people (laughs) that is a trailer when there's all these beautiful boats, but they have to get somewhere somehow, and that's a trailer. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely easier to sell a trailer to someone that's had an average trailer the first time. So if they're on their second boat, they're generally looking for something a bit better quality anyway. Well, fetishes are around these days, Pat. Is it bad that I find a trailer quite attractive? I think they're bloody sexy. These easy toes. Well, I tell you why. Because you don't you don't care for a trailer, as you said, Pete, until you've had a crap one, and then the last thing that you want is issues at the ramp. So the I think it was the second or the third boat I ever had was a wonderful 1989 Smuggler being rebuilt now in, in the West. Um, Scott Fury's actually building them. Um, and I love the boat. But it had the worst trailer that I was fearful of ever actually taking fishing or taking to the ramp. Um, and, and at the time, you know, this is sort of 2011, 2012, I didn't appreciate what it is to have a good trailer. You yeah. think, no, nah, it's about the boat. But... The boat's only a good thing if you're willing, if you're happy, if you can use it. And if you don't have a good trailer, you're not willing to use it. So, what makes your trailers different than, say, something that is that I, that I can that I can buy from um, China that's as cheap as it gets? Mm-hmm. What's the difference? A lot of the trailers that come in from overseas, they're a generic, standardised product. Yep. Um, so they're designed to be adjusted to suit a multiple range of boats. So they'll still work. 
but they may not just work as efficiently or effectively as a full-blown custom-made trailer. Yeah. Things have probably changed since, you know, the, the 80s and the 90s too with being able to design trailers on the computer. Yeah. Um, so now we can very effectively, um, you know, in, in CAD design a, a custom-made trailer to suit the boat um, based on having the right hull measurements and it just gives the consumer just so much more of a better trailer. Um, you know, there's less moving parts and it's just, just easier, you know, basically anyone can, can drive a trailer on and off these days without damaging their boat. Sounds dumb, but... Well, this is appropriate because the question's coming from you. No, it's not really a question. It's more of a statement because the amount of people I know that don't catch fish because of their trailer. Do you know how many people say, (laughs) like, are you going to go marlin fishing this year? Do you ever go marlin fishing? You have a conversation. They say, oh, no, I haven't got a trailer. I can't can't tow it. You can't tow it because they don't have a decent trailer. You mean um, an old trailer? Long-range towing. Yeah, long-range towing. People, oh, no, I only travel to Queens because my trailer's not up to scratch. Yep. So... People forget how important having a good trailer is because it stops you. It literally stops you from travelling if you don't have a decent trailer. Now, as another statement I'll make, Patrick, it's not going to be one of my good questions. If anyone's going to test anything out, I'll be honest, it's you. It's me. <laughs> I've broken everything possible. That's and true. I've broken parts of my boat. I've broken... I mean, parts of your body. You've got, got a new My heart. body. I've got a couple of machines yep. in here keep me going. I haven't broke them yet. But I haven't broke my trailer either. And that is saying something. I'm a proud owner of an easy tow trailer. I really enjoy using their product. Pete and the team have got a seriously down pat. It's What I like about it is it's custom built to your boat. So now just to give you an example, we're sitting here in a north bank where I look over the road there and there's Stabycrafts. Now, you can get them built to the Stabycraft that you order and they will come custom. You're not just putting a boat on a trailer. They come... The boys there do all the hard work for you at Easy Toe, Pete and whatnot, and his whole team, and they actually make it all work properly. Now, it sounds dumb, but if you don't have a boat sitting on a trailer properly, things can go wrong. Yep. So that's where I like the Easy Toe. They do everything for you, all the hard work, but all the, the components that go into it, the quality. If I can't break it, <laughs> no one can. Pete, we've had a lot of questions on our Real Adventures socials around trailering and aluminium versus galvanised, mm-hmm. and the, the fears around... Aluminium, it's not as strong. Yep. So talk us through the development of aluminium trailers, gal trailers over the, well, I suppose particularly the last five years, the, the development around that's been significant. Yep. Um, yeah, the, uh, there's certainly been a, a, a bigger shift towards aluminium trailers these days. And um, I guess the main advantage of an aluminium trailer is, is the difference in the in the weight yes. between a, a steel trailer. So on, on, on a 750 North Bank, for example, there's, there's 200 kilos weight difference between the two two trailers, um, which can possibly mean, you know, by using a aluminium trailer that you can still tow it with a 200 series Land Cruiser, um, where if you didn't have the, that option, you, you'd probably have to go to a bigger capacity vehicle. Um, so it's certainly certainly good in that aspect. Last question before we let you go, because we're getting yelled at because <laughs> stole, we stole someone's battery charger for our machine. <laughs> He's trying to sell a boat over there, Patrick, so we're going to have to hand yeah. it back. Wait time on a trailer. It's, it's a massive question. Yep. How long is it? Because I don't want people to go out there and go, oh, this I can get a trailer overseas, we can get it in two months, but Easy Toe is going to be 12 months. I'm yep. telling you right now, it's worth the wait because you're just going to be replacing yep. it. It's going to cost you more money. How long are we looking at waiting? Unfortunately, at the moment, we're, we're probably the busiest we've ever been. Yep. Um, so the, the lead time is almost embarrassingly long, yep. but but you're looking at around end of April now if you ordered a yep. trailer. But yep. the industry's following in, in every aspect, exactly. whether it's an engine or a boat, so it Correct. doesn't matter. Yep. But don't go out there and for any advice from us, I, I wouldn't be going out there buying anything rubbish in between. And I say rubbish because a lot of that Chinese stuff 
it scares yep. me, Patrick, and I'm safe to say it on here. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not angry to say it. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, happy to say it. So you pay for what you get. Hey, Pete. Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, how can we get in touch with you if, you, if people are looking for a, a new trailer or looking for a new boat? Where do they go? Uh, you visit your local dealer or uh, jump on our website, which is um, www.easytow.com.au, um, and all our contact details are on there. Even I can remember that, Pat. Red's review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au It's time for Red's review and you and I have gone a little bit, I was going to say a little bit nuts, but both We're you and I. <laughs> We're tradies, Pat. Look well, at my hand, see that? That's a big black dot. Hit myself with a hammer. Well, that, I suppose that's. I actually got it stuck in the car, but I tell everyone I was using a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> How good a trader you are! Now we are not sponsored by Roby, but we bloody well should be because of the amount of crap. That so th- is this a pitch? From is this a pitch? I feel like it is. All yeah. right, it's a pitch. I'm How often for do we review their? Gi- well, I love it. I know, and you know what? It's you and I. We are far from tradies. Like our our cane, the builder Excuse fisherman. Me. We're not a tradie. <laughs> <laughs> we are not tradies. We Mate, are far from. We, we try. Are weekend we try. warriors. And I think, like, your Milwaukee's and all that are fantastic. Like, they are great gear. But I'm not paying the money for it. And why no. do Ryobi tools do the job? Correct. I'm not building from Monday to Friday. No, that's I'm right. weekend warring. But one of the things that, um, that we used a few weeks back when we were actually recording our show from the Melbourne Boat Show, um, Melbourne Marine, Andrew loaned us a Ryobi 150-watt uh, battery topper inverter. Yes, he did. Now, the reason we love this is because we could plug our uh, roadcaster in to record our show, uh, and it used the same battery as what your drill does, as what your whippersnipper does, as what your blower does. Like there's, uh, there's like 40 different things that you can get to use these batteries, and you can plug in a USB, or you can plug in uh, your 240-volt um, there's a cordless outlet. You can. And we were, we were blown away. I thought it was absolutely terrific. And like you said before, I actually got permission off the missus every couple of weeks to buy a new item from Roby. And can I give you a bit of a tip here? Something that I actually... I was at Bunnings. Oh, and early Reds. Bunnings. You know what I've been annoyed at my missus? Because my missus was an ex-Bunnings worker. She's a full-time mum at the moment, Patch, and doing a great job. But I had to get you it... Clipped on the way out. That's yeah, fine. She, was, she wasn't really helpful at Bunnings. She was useless <laughs> when it comes to these tools. I don't know what section she worked in. I think she was in pricing. Probably explains it. But <laughs> this, this lady was absolutely terrific. She said to me... Mate, I said to her, I want to get this... Uh, Pat, I said, co-host of mine, a fishing Joe, said to me, you get this pressure washer now that has the plug-in battery at the back and you've got to hook a hose into it. Meanwhile, you told me the bottle accessory wasn't part of it. It was. A bottle actually plugs into the bottom of it, Patrick. Oh, really? It actually does, and it is sensational. I've been using it at the car wash, and it's saving me hours at home. I do my one big clean a week uh, on my boat because I use it every day, but this is helping me at the boat ramp. I just plug it in, and it works a treat. But I said to her, I need it. So we got the item, the, the tool, and she yeah. said to me, I need, she goes, it doesn't come with a battery, mate. You need to go buy a battery. She goes, but... I'll show you a trick. I said, right. So we went for a wander into the Ryobi section. Oh. The rep was there too. I asked him for an Inst- I gave him an Instagram shout. He said no. And <laughs> I asked him. <laughs> and he, I said, and she goes, look at this. Buy that drill right now. You get a battery, a charger, a drill, and all these accessories with it. It was $12 more than what it was just for a battery, battery. and a charger in itself. Just so look at you. How, it wasn't me. I'll give all credit to the fantastic lady that helped me out there, at not Bunnings. my missus. And it was fantastic. I got a battery. I got a 
she ripped me off but <laughs> it, it was make sure when you go there you get yourself a uh, you get yourself a great a great deal like I did because now I've got a battery a drill don't know why I've got a drill well, to use it <laughs> well the reason we like it in terms of outdoors is you can you you've already got the batteries for your other tools, uh, tools yep and this just adds to be able to plug in your your 240 volt so it's got the outlet it's got the USB it's charge oh, your phone you can even little camping little, though exactly like it's just sensational Ah. That's uh that's red review. Head to Ryobi. My old man's got a my old man's got a uh, Ryobi whippersnipper and Petra and and uh, mower. He absolutely loves it. And he he's a, and my dad's a robotics engineer. He knows motors. Well, so if you're listening, Ryobi, we've spent that much bloody money on your products. Fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> For more information, head to Ryobi's website, ryobi.com.au. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. Clubmarine.com.au You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures and we are well and truly on the home stretch and a big thanks to very good friend Sammy Goodwin, for helping us out today on today's show, why Patrick Dangerfield is gallivanting around America going to Harvard. Uh, I'd love to know what he's been up to up there. Imagine him sitting in a class oh, getting taught it. stuff. Imagine oh. him having to listen to someone else. By the looks of it, most <laughs> of the times, like courtside or in an NFL game yeah. down on the grass, getting the royal treatment. How do you reckon he went going to Marty? Hey, Mards, we've just had a new baby two weeks ago, maybe I'm three off. weeks ago. I'm, I'm out of here for a month, Yeah, three weeks. God knows. I reckon he, pro- <laughs> he probably copped an earful. No, nah, well, actually, Hopefully he Marty actually said she was very this, supportive of it. Yeah. She, he said she was very good. She probably was very supportive helps of it. long term. You might benefit off it long term too, Red. A few of his negotiation yeah. skills, a few deals for us. Yeah. Look, think, look out, Hutchie. Our, our pitch for he wasn't very good uh, the other week. We pitched for Ryobi on on, on the yeah. on the show on the right in Red's review, and they. Gave us nothing. But anyway, hopefully his negotiating skills at Harvard have come back and are going to help him out. Right, oh, it's now time for Red's tip, and it'll be nothing but rude of me if I didn't pass the tip on to Sam. But once again, I've got to throw a question at him. I need your best tip in cooking seafood, Sammy. And one thing that I like to do is skin my fish. So I skinned all my whiting during the week because quite often the skin goes a bit crappy and... Yeah, yeah. My son, Finn, picks it off anyway, and it's just easier to skin it. I probably prefer yeah. the skin off. But... You always read on these recipes everywhere, crispy skin this, crispy yeah. skin that, crispy skin. How in the hell do you get it crispy? Yeah, I reckon um, nine out of ten people who try it probably fail yep. too. Like, it's all good writing a recipe for it, but you've actually got to do like, it. execute it. Um, and they probably lead you down the garden path a little bit and make, you, make it sound easier than what it is. Um, I'm with you. With the whiting, if you're crumbing it, I take it off. Yep. Crumb it. You've got nothing to play around with. If you want crispy skin, and we're probably so, what's a fish that you do crispy? So let's go to the start of it. What type of fish would you do as such? For uh, the most common one you see would be Atlantic salmon, yep. Tasmanian salmon. Uh, snapper can work yeah. really well. Kingfish is beautiful. Um, what else? Your coral trout, if you're yep. up north, things like that. Um, the one tip, and similar to what we touched on earlier, um, do you know how when you do like a roast pork, Aaron, you um, put the pork uncovered in the fridge yeah. and it will dry the skin out? Yeah. Well, we're going to use like a similar technique for your fish. So put it like flesh down on a plate or a tray so that the flesh is protected, but leave the skin uncovered on top. Yeah. You can wipe it dry with paper towel to begin with, and then you can leave it in the fridge uncovered for an hour or two, and that fan's going to help start dry out 
that skin. Yeah. And you can touch it and you'll be able to feel it. And if you can't feel moisture there, that's great. It's going to go a long way to helping you get it crispy. If you're in a real rush, go and steal your girlfriend's hairdryer and give it a, a blow on a low temp. I did that the other night with a bit of kingfish. Worked a treat on the barbecue. Um, really? And then, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100%. So you, what are you doing? Just getting the moisture out? Getting the moisture out. Yeah, okay. Um, makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yep. you're trying to fry, make it crispy and dry as you can, so you might as well start with dry skin. Um, and then we'll rub it lightly or brush it lightly with a bit of oil. You can salt it, and then you can go straight down into a, a medium pan. It doesn't have to skin be super first hot. Or skin first. Skin and first. this is what I wanted to get to as well. Uh, this would work on a barbecue too. If you have really dry skin on your fish, it won't stick to your barbecue, whereas if you start with moist flesh or skin, yeah, yep. that's when it sticks. And yeah. People have a nightmare on a barbecue. And the skin all falls off anyway. Yeah, and yeah exactly. Um, and then when, you, when you're cooking it in the pan, you want to cook... 90% of the time with the skin side down. That skin's like protection for yeah. your flesh, so it's going to prevent the flesh from drying out too much. Whereas as soon as you turn that bit of fish over and you, you're talking raw flesh onto a hot pan, that's going to dry out. It's going to be fibrous and gross. So you can cook it 90% of the way through on, on the skin. Yeah. It's going to go really crispy, and then you can just flip to seal off that, that underside. And you'll be laughing. He's got all the tips and tricks. Old Sammy Goodwin. We might have to change Red's tip to the chef's tip. Very good, mate. Well answered. Uh, the flying gaff this week, because we're running out of time, because uh, Sammy nailed the questions on the head. Flying gaff this week goes to three fishermen that were fishing in Port Phillip Bay, Chef. I don't know if you've seen this, but they had well and truly too many King George Whiting. Bit of illegal sales going on the calamari right. front, and they have had all their gear and boats seized. And it's going hasn't been to court yet, so we'll find out a little bit more in a few months' time. But... Just an idiot. Don't you do don't it. need to do it. No. no. So the gaff's going their way. Sammy Goodwin joins us on the show this week for Help Me Out with Real Avengers. Paddy's back next week. We're looking forward to you there. Hope you enjoyed the show. It was a little bit different. I well and truly enjoyed it. Thank you, Sammy. Loved being back. And we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to Real Adventures. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.